0: Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Right For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm interviewing with Frank Amato. He's the president and CEO at Synapsys DX. Frank, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Kelsey. I'm glad to be here today and uh, looking forward to our uh, discussion.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. So, Frank, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So I, uh, I've been a, a healthcare-focused individual now for probably, you know, the better part of 30 years. I started out working um, really in a kind of a high science-focused um, high school program in Westchester County in chemistry. And then that led to being a, a, a medic with the 82nd Airborne Division, an infantry-based medic. Um, and then coming out of the military and, and getting a college degree, I joined the pharmaceutical industry. And I worked, you know, in sales for a number of years, in marketing and operations, and uh, ultimately found myself in a leadership position at Merck, uh, running their specialty commercial operations group. So I had probably 10 businesses, all largely focused on specialists. So if uh, if, uh, you know, an oncologist was using one of our drugs, uh, then my team would would be responsible for the oncologists, dermatologists, if they were using one of our, our medicines, then, you know, the team would focus on them and so forth. So I had 10 different groups and we, you know, had uh, probably four and a half billion in revenue responsibility, 2,500 people. So it was a really neat opportunity to kind of work, you know, across different therapeutic areas and. And, you know, have the opportunity to meet with different specialists and really learn a lot about the different uh, approaches that are being taken for different disease states. And that then led me to working for one of Merck's investment companies, a company called ElectroCore. We were moving the stimulation of the vagus nerve, which is in your neck, from inside the body, which is where it lived for 25 years, to outside the body, where you could take a cell phone and essentially stimulate the nerve for a variety of FDA-cleared headache conditions. Um, so that was equally very interesting. We were kind of bending the curve on how to treat a headache and not having to ingest, inhale, or, um, or in some way inject a drug into your body. Um, we took that company public and, um, you know, it's still, uh, still moving along there and helping to treat a variety of different, you know, neuroscience, like conditions in the field beyond just headache. Now, um, I, I left my role there and took a little time off for the first time in 30 years. And when I decided to come back into the industry. My focus was really in the one area where we've made no headway in the 30 years that I've been doing this, and that's neurodegeneration, and and most specifically, Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. Um, And I met the folks uh, at Synapse DX, namely the founding scientist, Dr. Daniel Alcon, who was a program chief at NIH, NINDS, and the neurology group for probably a couple of decades. And then Jay Rockefeller, the the U.S. senator in West Virginia asked Dan to take his preclinical work at the NIH and bring it into the clinic, start using it in human beings uh, at the newly um, funded and designed Neuroscience Institute he named after his mother, who coincidentally died from Alzheimer's disease, Mm. Chet Rockefeller. Uh, And Dan then uh, ran three different clinical trials, and he developed the three biomarkers that we are now commercializing at Synapse DX currently. Um, So that's, that's a little bit about myself and how I, um, you know, through a circuitous career really ended up here in the diagnostics role. So I worked in pharma, worked in biotech, a little time in med device, and now I'm on the diagnostic side.
0: Well, it sounds like you've had, you know, an interesting journey getting you to Synapse and, you know, also, I appreciate your service. Two of my brothers are Marines. So, you know, I, I, I love meeting people who have served. So I appreciate appreciate your service. Um, so, you know, going, talking, I, I appreciate the background, you know, a little bit about what Synapse does. Talking a little bit more about Synapse DX.
1: Sure. So um, one of the things that uh, Dr. Alcon um, decided when he moved to the Rockefeller Neuroscience Institute was, you know, the NIH had just previously identified the gold standard definition for diagnosing Alzheimer's disease, which was dementia in life. So actually getting a dementia diagnosis using a psychometric test. So there are different tests that are used to evaluate one cognitive abilities. Those are mini mental exams or MOCA uh, exams out there. And the, the patient answers a series of questions and so forth. And then they get scored And depending upon what their score is, it'll indicate whether they have dementia or not. Um, So, you know, Dr. Alcon um, really wanted to follow that definition where you have dementia in life and then amyloid plaque and neurofibrillary tau tangles at autopsy. That's really the only way up until recently to diagnose the condition, to objectively diagnose it. Um, And obviously, you know, with the, you know, a diagnosis of exclusion, really, meaning that, you know, once a physician finds out whether you have dementia, and Alzheimer's disease will be, be the, the cause of that about two thirds of the time, um, to tell a patient that, you know, if nothing else shows up in the next five years, no other symptoms that would indicate that your dementia is being caused by something else, well, then it's likely Alzheimer's disease. It's, it's not a great way to really diagnose a devastating disease like this. So Dr. Alcon um, decided that, you know, he was going to follow that definition. So he went around and worked with a, well, probably four or five different medical centers and began to collect skin samples right off the inner upper forearm of people, small uh, skin punch biopsy. It's a three millimeter. It's almost like taking blood, like a venipuncture. Um, And then he collected those skin samples from patients who were diagnosed with dementia. And then he followed those patients out until they were able to give or have an autopsy. And that autopsy then confirmed whether the dementia was being caused by Alzheimer's or whether it was being caused by something else. And the something else could be one of 20 different conditions. It could be as simple as Lyme's disease or vitamin B deficiency. It could be a stroke, trauma that the patient experienced in a car accident or playing football when they were younger or some contact sport. Um, There could be vascular disease in the body that could cause it uh, and and a variety of different conditions. So we were able to, um, to, to unblind those samples and measure the biomarkers. We have three biomarkers that Dr. Alcon developed. Measure those biomarkers Versus the autopsy. So, we are the only autopsy validated diagnostic for Alzheimer's disease that's in the market today. Wow. Um, and uh, along with that uh, autopsy validation, um, Dr. Alcon also hypothesized that it, it's really the loss of synapses in the brain. The synapses are where your memories lie, it's that loss of synapses that ends up causing the disease. It's not what the field has thought for 25 years, which is that amyloid plaque, they're kind of like little tombstones in the brain that form, they're, they're very dense proteins, and these tau tangles that occur also in the brain are correlate very closely with Alzheimer's disease but are not causative. So trying to find them and trying to treat them um, has never demonstrated a cognitive um, improvement for the patient. Uh, what we've been able to do is remove protein out of the brain. Good for us. That's that's awesome. But unless it really has an impact on cognitive impairment, it's not really a cure. Um, nor is it a great way to diagnose the condition. So that's kind of what we did here, early days uh, with this company. We then uh, raised some professional financing. So we went out and did a Series A financing with. A uh, syndicate of investors uh, raised $10 million several years ago. Uh, and we started down the path of commercialization. We went to Medicare. We have two codes that were assigned to us from Medicare for our test called the, the DISCERN test. Um, and those two codes allow us to go out and sell the product and get reimbursed. CMS, Medicare also published a price that they're willing to pay us for when we run the test. And now we're starting in Texas, and we are selling the test into community-based neurology practices and geriatricians, and also primary care, Um, and we're processing samples. I think at this point, we've processed more than 500 samples that have come in from the field, and we've reported back the results to help clinicians diagnose this condition as early as possible. That's really the goal. So then they can work with the patient and the patient's family to design a care plan um, that can really help them, you know, think through the, the things that they may want to do in order to bend the curve on their cognitive impairment.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think you made a few really great points: the importance of early diagnoses, and you know, being able to support the family, support the patient. You know, I, I want to circle back to something that you mentioned about early diagnoses and talking about the testing because the the standard practice of care involves cognitive testing and then diagnostic testing, correct? But Synapse uses a different type of, um, a different type of, you know, testing. Walk me through that a little bit.
1: Sure. So typically a patient would um, come into a clinician's office, physician's office, um, either themselves or a family member complain about some memory issues, whatever they might be. And then the physician Um, may or may not decide to do a psychometric test on that patient. The the tests I mentioned earlier, I think some of us might be familiar with, you know, put the clock hands at, you know, 1040 and, you know, people struggle with that. You know, who is the president back four years ago and so on and so forth. So um, once that happens and the physician suspects that the patient might have dementia, They then put them through a battery of tests. They take blood, right? And they're probably looking for a number of different issues in the blood that could lead them to information that would allow them to continue to kind of seek out what could could be causing that cognitive impairment. They're probably going to get them an MRI and maybe even a CAT scan. And in, and in in those cases, they're probably looking to rule out things like a tumor in the brain, or maybe a brain bleed of some kind, could be a stroke, or maybe the, the individual had, you know, a fall uh, or a car accident or something that might have caused that. Um, in some cases, they'll put them through a lumbar puncture, so they'll do a spinal tap, to look at their cerebral spinal fluid um, and looking for things like plaque and tau again. And then lastly, um, in some cases, maybe not in the community, but more in the academic setting, so a Large academic medical center, they might look to do a PET scan. They have the patient ingest radio labeled dye, and that dye then is a tracer for finding those two components, plaque and tau, in the brain. Um, And then they gather all that information over probably, I don't know, three or four month time period, and they still have to make a subjective diagnosis of what the patient has. And we've seen in the literature that in the first four to five years of dementia, um, the clinician, the physician, the doctor's accuracy of diagnosing the disease correctly is about the flip of a coin. It's about 50-50. So that's what was really concerning to Dr. Alcon and others here, uh, and hence why we've developed a test that we know we've validated through autopsies. We've We've collected 150 skin samples and used them in the three published clinical trials that we published years ago. Um, And those biomarkers, as I indicated earlier, track very closely with the loss of synapses, which we believe is really the causation of the disease. Mm -hmm. Um, What's causing that loss of synapses? We don't know. But um, that, that loss is what one should really be focused on from the standpoint of determining whether they have Alzheimer's or not. Hmm. Uh, Many people can have, you know, plaque and tau in their brain. Even there have been studies in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2021, where they looked at 330 centenarians in Europe who had brains riddled with plaque and tau and not one of them had any cognitive deficit. So you're 100 years old, you've got plaque and towel in your brain, and you're as sharp as, you know, a 50, 60 year old. Um, and that's, you know, really concerning. If physicians are going to be looking for, you know, remnants of the disease that don't cause it, well, then we ought to be focused in areas where we know Run very closely with that cognitive impairment and the and a decline that continues over time. Uh, you can get diagnosed with dementia, and not have that precipitous decline in your cognition, and it's likely another cause of dementia. It, it's it's not or another it's not Alzheimer's disease. It's some other you know condition you might have. So I hope that sheds a little bit of light. I might be a little long winded on this, but. Um, You know, that's kind of how we've differentiated ourselves and where our focus is in the marketplace.
0: No, I, I appreciate, you know, the background and, you know, your explanation. I think it's really helpful, you know, for our listeners who may not have the expertise in the field um, or, or, you know, have uh, fortunately or, uh, you know, for them not had to, you know, deal with Alzheimer's. So, I you know, I appreciate that explanation. And, you know, you you mentioned a little bit about research and development, and I know that plays a really key role in advancing, you know, medical technologies and the growth that synapses has. So what are some, can, can you talk about some key milestones or breakthroughs that have led to you know synapse being at the place it is now?
1: Sure. So um I would say that the um the focus of the company right now is to make our test available since it's been validated by peer-reviewed journals, some of the highest impact factor journals in the marketplace, in the Alzheimer's journals. So we've been published many, many times in, in the Alzheimer's and key neurology journals. So, you know, there's validation from Dr. Alcon's peers. Of the science and the clinical trial work that we've done, the second thing is, is we went to the you know governing body for 99% of the diagnostics that are in the market today, and that's called the CLIA, and we got certified through CLIA. Um, since you know we're not adding anything into the body, um, the FDA doesn't really regulate diagnostics, especially when you're using you know bodily fluids like you know saliva or blood or urine. Uh, or in our case, skin, um, you know, it's really about evaluating the skin. And as long as your test has been, you know, peer-reviewed and published, then that's that's the first step in the process. We then went to the American Medical Association and and shared our data with, with the, the association. They then indicated that we should meet with CMS and that they would support getting our own, you know, code for our test. Uh, You can either be crosswalked to another test that's in the market, or you could get your own gap fill type code, which is what we were given. Um, And then from there, um, we put together a dossier for Medicare to consider how much they think the test um, should be reimbursed. And we factor in all the things that we do in our lab. We do a lot of cell culturing work, and then we apply our different assays to the test. The skin has to be shipped back to the lab. Um, and so on and so forth. So once we landed on a price where we could build a business around that and Medicare understood what our cost structure is for for doing the work we do, um, then um, you know, we were able to get, you know, those codes and pricing and now that allows us to submit claims into Medicare to get reimbursed. So those were kind of the early day um, milestones. We also ran a beta launch, kind of a, pre-launch program down in Texas with about 15 practices where we collected 350 skin samples. You know, we wanted to learn, um, you know, what needed to be in our kit that we would send to a doctor's office so they could take a skin sample. Um, You know, once it's sent back to our lab, you know, what testing have we done and, you know, what research have we done to ensure that when that skin sample comes back, it's viable and we can use it for testing and grow it and so forth. Um, We also wanted to learn when we gave the results back to the clinician, was it clear to them? Was it confusing in any way? So we learned a lot over about an eight-month period collecting those samples. Um, And then, you know, we we also learned that we needed to move to a a more commercially conducive type laboratory as well. We were in the Johns Hopkins Laboratory Campus in uh, Rockville, Maryland, uh, and it was it's really a research lab. We needed to have uh, you know, a lab that allowed us to bring some of the the different gases that we use, like liquid nitrogen into the lab more readily uh, where the FedEx folks could come and and drop samples off and pick them up pretty readily. So you didn't want to be on the top floor of the building in case the door was locked at the bottom, <laughs> things like that, you know, just really practical things like that, that we learned a lot in doing that uh, that. That project. Now we're focused on strategic partnerships in addition to commercializing or selling our tests. So we're working with a top five pharmaceutical company that's confidential at this point in time, and one of the largest retirement communities in the United States. Um, and the goal there is to really use our test amongst other biomarkers to help identify patients at the earliest stages of disease of disease, because the industry writ large, believes that is if, if the earlier we catch this disease, the more likely our drugs are going to be effective in helping patients. So, you know, what of all the biomarkers that are out in the marketplace today, most of which I've discussed already, Plactal and our, ours and others, um, you know, which ones are going to be most effective at trying to find those patients? And we consider this a, a longitudinal-like study. It's probably going to take about three years to complete. There'll be about 400 patients initially in there, and then we plan to follow these patients out more long-term. Uh, and then lastly, you know, despite the fact that we don't need FDA clearance in order to sell this test, you know, we think it's important that we go through the FDA with our data, with our information. W- will we get cleared and, and get an FDA clearance for our test? I'm, I'm not sure at this point in time. Uh, I've been in this industry long enough to know, do you never handicap the FDA? <laughs> Um, so, but we're bringing forward all of our information in a way to, to demonstrate that, you know, that we can get over every obstacle and every hurdle to try to help as many patients as possible and maybe be part of, you know, many of the clinical trials that are being run in Alzheimer's disease today. I think there's 175 going on as we speak worldwide. Um, it's a, it's a terrible condition. There are nearly 7 million people affected with it in the United States. About 700,000 new cases of dementia are diagnosed each year. The Alzheimer's Association said that that might be, that might pale in comparison to the number of people who actually have dementia. We could be off by, you know, 30 to 50% uh, in our diagnoses of, of the condition. Uh, and the baby boomer population is gonna turn this condition 20 years from now Into twice to two to three times as many people who might have the condition. So all that said, we're dedicated and focused on trying to, you know, be part of the solution for what we need long term, both here in the United States and globally.
0: Frank, I really appreciate those insights. You know, I think it's, you know, the the work that you're doing is is so important being able to provide, you know, these tests, you know, I really appreciate your insights and, you know, and all the different information you've shared. So, you know, as we start to wrap up, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with, you know, about about the industry, about Alzheimer's, about, about Synapse, anything you want to leave our listeners with?
1: Sure. Uh, I think that, you know, this is a very confusing field right now. Every day in the Uh, Internet, news media, hard copy, um, television, news shows, etc. You hear about all these different potential concoctions that could help diagnose the the disease, you know, using the retina or using, you know, artificial intelligence to, you know, uh, take a picture of someone's face or Listening to their voice and how that might change over time could be a digital biomarker and all these different things that that are hardly validated for actually diagnosing the condition. And you validate it by using that gold standard definition we talked about earlier, using autopsies. So for the listener, I would be really clear on whether the actual biomarkers that are being bandied about in the in the media actually have validation. Are they published, peer reviewed, all that kind of good stuff. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, I would think really hard about what type of interventions are being utilized for your loved one or yourself. Uh, Meaning that, you know, there have been drugs that have been approved, but have uh, not improved the cognitive deficit. That's the disease. It's you're losing your memory that could happen very quickly over the next few years. Um, And you should be really clear on what it is that's being recommended for you or your loved one and whether the chance of that having any success on improving cognition is something that um, is available or not. Um, So I think those are really important things. And the other thing, you know, there, there have been some very large, Um, studies that have been conducted by major academic centers, Wake Forest being one of them. There's the finger and the pointer study. I think they looked at 10,000 people or more and they changed their lifestyle uh, by adding mental exercises every day, physical exercise every day and changing their diet. Now, they didn't stop the loss of memory or the cognitive decline, but they were able to slow it down considerably. So there, there are, you know, current interventions people can embark upon that may have positive impact on their diagnosis, ultimately, and the way that they um, you know, might slow down their cognitive loss. So I, I think it's worthwhile for folks to try to get some clarity in, an, in a disease state and in an area of medicine where there seems to be just a lot of confusion out there for doctors, for patients, for their families, for the people who pay for it, the insurance companies, uh, and even in some cases, um, some of the you know societies out there that you know review a lot of this data uh, and decide whether they, they want to you know peer review it and and recommend it for publication. So um, that's the unfortunate part. Uh, but there are you know interventions available today that could be very helpful for you and your loved one. Um, and if we synapse diagnostics can help in any way. We'd love to be a part of uh, of the solution.
0: I think that's great. Well, Frank, this has been a very insightful conversation. I appreciate you know all of your insights. You know where where you know what Synapse is doing. You know the hard work that you're doing to you know change change the landscape. So you know I think this was a really great conversation, and I appreciate you being on Business Ninjas today.
1: My pleasure, Kelsey. It's uh, it's a real honor to be able to do this, and um, look forward to chatting again in the future. Absolutely. Hey,
0: are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io writeform dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.